Let's do a big departure from what we typically do. We're going to go um, into the essence of everything. <laughs> My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and your fellow polyvagal nerd. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. This one might be a little challenging. I don't think it's going to be challenging on an emotional trauma level kind of thing, but it might be challenging in the way we think about us, why why we're here, if we're here for a reason, uh, deeper philosophical kind of things. I have a lot of, I like this stuff. This is fun for me. So I'm going to take an opportunity to, to try this out, delve into this and see what you think about it. I had asked uh, my Instagram followers a long time ago, it's been months probably, during a, a five word Friday, what is, what are you stuck on? Something like that. And got a wide range of answers. And this person said, why are we here? This is what they're stuck on. They're stuck on. Why are we here? The essence of everything. Pain, happiness, question mark. That's all they put. Because there's not a whole lot of space. But why are we here? The essence of everything. Pain, happiness, question mark. This question stuck with me. This, um, this, this response stuck with me. Something I've wanted to address. So here we go. Why are we here? Let's start off with that. Let's break this up into sections. Why are we here? The The question itself has an assumption. When you say why, this assumes that there is a reason. That there is an intent. Why assumes a reason and an intent. You know, when, I, when you talk to a client and you ask them, well, why'd you do that? <laughs> For my therapeers. You're assuming that they had a reason and an intent and that it was thought out and there was an actual, well, this is why I did it. So why assumes there's a reason and an intent? Asking why are we here then assumes that there is a reasoner and an intender. That there's a being who is reasoning and intending. And I'm not going to tell you where I fall on this, that I'm going to stay neutral in this area, but when you ask this question, this this is the assumption here. This is the implication that there is an intent and a reason and a being that has that intent and that reason that, I guess, produced all this. We have reasons for seeking food, right? Why do we eat? To, to stay alive, to survive. So that is the why of the action or the choice or the behavior of seeking food and then eating is to survive. That is the reason and that is the why of why we do that. But do we have reasons for existence? Because existence is not a behavior or a choice that we do or choose. It's existing. So is there a reason or a why for it? If so, it would have to come from a being that reasons and intends and then created that, right? If you believe in one of these beings, you probably have your answer. So the question for you, you probably already have an answer for it. Why are we here? If you believe that that a thing or a being, whatever that is, created, then you must already have an answer of why they intended your existence or 
why they would reason your existence. Probably just based on what your belief system. It well, and even if you don't, even if you don't have a clear reason as to why or an intention, we do know that that being wanted you to exist. That the reason and the why of your existence is because they wanted it. That being wanted you to exist, had the feeling of want, I, I suppose, or yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you call it. You kind of have to humanize it. There's a feeling or an, an experience of want, of being unfulfilled, perhaps, and needing something. So that being acted in a way to cause you to exist. And it, I would assume, included a choice to cause you to exist based on an impulse to cause you to exist. And I would assume probably a plan on your existence, on what would come next. I, I eat to fulfill the impulse to eat. I mean, I, I, I eat to fulfill the impulse to get nutrients, I guess. We'll put it that way. So that's more of a need than a want, but I think we can use them interchangeably here. I need nutrients to live. When I lack what I need, my body tells me, and then I choose what to eat, how to go about getting it. And the plan in my head, or the plan is to continue my existence, to stay alive. The plan is to at least, at least in the moment, alleviate the hunger impulse. So that being that created us must have a want or a need or an impulse to create us and then does some whatever action they take to cause our existence which is a conscious choice and they probably have a plan for our existence or at least a plan on what to satiate by our existence for themselves. The more interesting why question here is why they would want you to exist. I think it's a heck of a lot more interesting. Not why are we here, but if you believe that a being created that it being had a plan for, has a plan for, and put into action your existence. Why? You may have an answer for this just based off your belief system or like built into your belief system. But I think it's, that's the more interesting question is why would they compel your existence? Why would that being do that? If not, if you don't have a, a being that you believe in that created you and all of this, then the question of why does not make sense. Because there's no reason, there's no intent, because there's no reasoner and no intender. 
So the question of why are we here, it makes no sense. We are here and we are now, and that, that is it. By every account and measure that we have, we do exist. There's, there's no why to it. If you don't have a spiritual answer, then the question of why are we here makes no sense. It's just the wrong question. We are here. We are now. We do exist. And that is truth. And that's true for all of us. If Whether you have a creator or not, if you have a spirituality or if you have a belief system or not, in you know, like a higher power, we can all agree that we do exist. We do exist. We are here. We are right now. That is the truth. So you are, you do exist. The, the The question for you then is not, why would that being create you? It's, you don't have a being, right? But you are, you do exist. So what will you do with your own existence, your own being? That's the, that's the question. Not why are we here, but what will you do with being here? That's probably the more interesting question. The second part of the question is the essence of everything. To me, I'm going to go with, uh, well, are you talking about measurable or immeasurable? Or immeasurable as far as we cannot measure it now, today. In a thousand years, our, our ability to measure might be a lot different. But as of right now, measurable or immeasurable. If you want immeasurable, I, I can't, nobody, I can't give that to you. If you want if you want immeasurable, I cannot give that to you. Nobody can because we can't measure it. Nobody can do that. They'd have to be able to show you the immeasurable through some means. Otherwise, they're just saying, they're just saying, here's the essence of everything. And you have to take their word for it. For me, that doesn't go very far. So if they have no measure of it, and I don't mean like with a rule, or I mean... I mean, they'd have to display in some way what they're talking about. So if someone is saying, I have, I know the essence of everything. I have it or I can <laughs> sell it to you or I have it for you and I just need this donation. But I have the essence of everything. I have the knowledge. They'd have to be able to display it in some way. Not just through mental gymnastics, but here is my measure of it. Here is my data. Here is my proof. I am making a claim that I have the essence of everything or that I have knowledge of the essence of everything. So here is my evidence to support that. That would be the measurable aspect of it. If you want immeasurable, I I can't give that to you. If you want the measurable essence of everything, I, you know, we're made up of atoms. Like I don't, you know, then there's, there's smaller stuff in, in the atoms, right? And whatnot. And that's kind of cool, but really day-to-day is kind of useless as far as I know. Day-to-day living, I don't need to know about quarks and, but day-to-day living that has no bearing on um, my connection with people, my living. It just doesn't, it's interesting. But it, that's as far as it goes for me. The, the next part of the question 
so I don't know the essence of everything. I have no idea. And even if I didn't know, so what? What does that what does that mean day to day? The last part of the question here is about pain and happiness. And they just put pain, comma, happiness, question mark. Pain and happiness, I don't think there's anything mystical about this. I don't think there's anything really um, revolutionary. I think pain and happiness serve us to indicate what should be done more of and less of. I think that's pretty much it. When we feel pain, that means don't do that. When we feel happiness, that means do more of that. I think for the most part, that's pretty much it. We feel happy with people that are safe and trustworthy, people we love. And so our biology tells us, yes, do more of that. We feel pain when we do something like hit our fingers with a hammer. And our biology says, don't do more of that. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Um, Now, our biology can be tricked. Um, We can use substances to feel happiness, I guess, or less pain or some sort of other experiences that feel connected and euphoric and safe and whatnot, but that's not real. It's, it's tricking our biology into feeling happiness and saying, do more of that when really it's not necessary for daily living. It's a fun experience, I guess. Not really my thing, but it can be a fun experience, I suppose. But I guess the idea here is that biology can be tricked into into feeling happiness and, and reinforcing the behavior that caused the happiness. And hopefully that behavior that's being reinforced is behavior like success, being success, you know, doing homework, studying for a test, and then feeling proud and happy of yourself when you succeed. That's the kind of behavior, that's, that's what happiness I think should be reinforcing. Being with safe people, giving, um, donating to charity, volunteering and feeling happy about that. That's something that we want to reinforce and do more of. Being a good parent, being an attentive parent, giving hugs and kisses to your spouse and your children if they're in your lives. These are behaviors that we want to reinforce so your body feels happy. It reinforces the family connection, the family bond. It reinforces the parent's love. That's it. I I think it it reinforces the behavior that led to the feeling. With with pain, when we're with someone who is not good for us, we feel sadness and rejection and pain, just pain. We feel emotional pain. And that pain is telling us, stay away from the source of the pain. Stay away from the behavior or the root or the cause of this pain and that might be the that person or it might even if it doesn't say stay away from it that pain might be saying create a boundary between from myself this organism to that other person that other organism the organism feeling pain is reinforcing or teaching stay away from that other unsafe organism I think that's it. I think pain and happiness are not that complex. I do think at least happiness can be tricked into being. I think pain can be deceptive. Things that are necessary, like becoming unstuck, might be painful or uncomfortable. 
or too vulnerable maybe. And we might call that, no, it's too painful, I can't do that. But pain might be necessary for growth. And then at the end of that pain, after the growth, the reinforcer might be happiness or connection that reinforces the behavior that led you through the pain into the success and into the feeling of happiness that will reinforce the process. Thank you so much for listening. To my polyvagal patrons, I would love to know what you thought of this. So feel free to ask me through a Patreon direct message and we can discuss it there or even maybe maybe could do a follow-up episode for patrons or for everybody. So I'd love to know what you think about that, patrons. And dear listener, I hope you enjoyed this. This is definitely different than what we typically do. I've been branching out, but uh, this is definitely a, a departure. And this is a conversation I'd definitely be interested in continuing. I really enjoy this stuff. It's fun. I like philosophical ponderings. <laughs> I like to delve into this kind of stuff. This really kind of gets me going. So it, let me know what you think about this. It, let me know if this challenged you or was mundane for you. <laughs> Either way, I do hope you enjoyed it and got something out of this. If you'd like to become a patron, it's only $5 a month. And there's a link in the description. And there's lots and lots and hours and hours and much more audio content on a whole separate podcast that you are missing out on. But thank you for listening to this one.